1: For the ones who get it done. Yes! Oh, oh, yes! The Offside Rule We Get It is brought to you by Continental Tires.
0: Hello, it's episode 28 of the Offside Rule We Get It podcast. And every now and again, we bring you double trouble. There are not three people here today. There's only myself that I can count and one other who is my reliable, lonely... <laughs> Kate Borsay. Hi, everyone. Uh, Thanks very much for joining me, because if you hadn't, this would be a very long (laughs) podcast for me.
1: It would just be a monologue of all of your internal workings to do with football, which I can tell you, folks, you've had a lucky escape from.
0: It was meant to be Mina Rizuki, but she's actually very busy because it's Champions League week, and it ties in with our first topic. So coming up on today's podcast, we're going to discuss the best of Barca ever. I have to point out, in case this is the worst time topic in the world, if (laughs) Arsenal do the unexpected, Uh, we are recording this before the match tonight which is between Arsenal and Barcelona in the Champions League, full time whistle could go Kate, it could be 5-0 Arsenal, couldn't it? Maybe we're
1: going to be enlisting some sort of reverse psychology here, convincing all the energy around us that Barcelona is so good that they fail tonight, is there some sort of link, some sort of psychological masterstroke that we could pull on Arsenal's behalf? Maybe I'm going to leave that one with you.
0: I, I don't think I'm sending the vibes out very strongly today. So, best of Barca ever. What we're going to do is look at players who we think from the history of Barcelona could get in the starting 11 today because, of course, it's such a strong lineup. We're also going to go on to talk about caps. And to cap it off, we'll be in the middle. We're going to talk about uh, the fact that Farah Williams and Anya Luco, for the women's side of things, could be in line to get 150 and 100 caps respectively. Big achievements possibly on the horizon for them. And talk about players from the men's game and women's game who have got a surprising number of caps. It can be surprising for either reason, because it's good or because it's bad. And then finally, we'll round things off by talking miss of the season for anyone who actually caught up on European football over the, the last week, you'll have spotted the Edin Dzeko Mr Sitter for Roma. It was dubbed by the commentator Miss of the Century, and we're going to compete to see if we think we've found ones which are
1: worse, aren't we? Yeah, we certainly are, and it's a little bit after the occasion, but I think every single fan out there recalls a time when there was a terrible miss in their side that perhaps had more consequences than just being an epic fail for the person who missed the goal. So um, whilst you're listening maybe think about times that your team um, have gone on to miss. It's just stuff that's etched in your memory. There there is a particular Liverpool moment that I'm going to mention that just won't leave me. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of still bitter about it actually. So that is what's coming up. The female take on football.
0: So it is the offside rule we get it brought to you by Continental tyres getting you to the game safely and we can get straight in to topic one have to say as well we're recording this week's podcast from Stamford Bridge I've been doing some Chelsea TV today and the very end package we did they send out subliminal messages here you talking about that at the start of the show um, it was all about Brazilian player Zico who's been spending some time with Willian at the club and there was this Portuguese samba mix at the end and then I said well Arsenal playing Barca and are you sending out some of the Spanish vibes there? There were a few grins around the place. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the best of Barca. I think there's no disputing that the trio they've got at the moment up front Suarez, Messi, Neymar, that's going to be very difficult to top for future generations. But let's go back into Barcelona's history and pick out some players that would make it into Barcelona's starting 11 now because they were just so good. Please start me off.
1: <laughs> well, this might be a surprising pick to someone in that he's not known as a legend for Barcelona, but I want to pick out Big Ronaldo, is what I'll call him. Not Cristiano Ronaldo, obviously, but Big Ronaldo for the fact that when he was at Barca, he spent a season there, he was at his physical peak. How about saying Brazilian Ronaldo right? Yeah. true? <laughs> Yeah, so Brazilian Ronaldo. So I think I'm picking him out because it was one of those in-out jobs He was in beginning of the season, out at the end because there were problems renegotiating his contract at Barca. But when he was there, he made an almighty impact. In fact, he's not just one of Barca's best. He's a player that you'd pick out for having the most immediate instant and short-term impact at a club all rolled into one. During his time there, he not only scored... A brilliant tally of goals. 47 goals in 49 games in all competitions. He had those great goal celebrations as well that that kind of um, emulated the Christ the Redeemer statue that we know well from our time in Rio. Uh, Well, only just. We (laughs) just saw a glimpse of it, didn't we? We didn't see much of it. (laughs) It was a bit foggy on that day. Um, He scored the winning penalty for Barcelona in the 97 UEFA Cup Winners Cup final against Paris Saint-Germain. He won the La Liga Top Scorer Award in 97. 34 goals in 37 games in the League, And he won the European Golden Shoe as well. So it wasn't just that he was great domestically, he was great across all levels. In fact, until quite some years later, around 10, 11 years later, he remained the last player to score more than 30 goals in a La Liga season. And we know he's been overtaken by some of the names that you've mentioned here so far. I think at his time there, Ronaldo was known for running through defences, for just absolutely outfoxing them. At the time, Real Madrid great, Jorge Valdano, commented, he's not a man, he's a herd. Quite some praise, (laughs) of course, from him. At the end of 96, age 20, he became the youngest player to win the FIFA World Player of the Year. So he was at his pinnacle at this short time at Barcelona. Now, I know that
0: you have another couple up your sleeve. I'm going to wade in with Johan Cruyff. Who else? He has been deemed the inventor of football. That's a pretty big... Big accolade, isn't it? The inventor of the game. We'll come on to his management of Barcelona and perhaps why that term applies. But start off with him as a player at Barcelona because he actually joined the club from Ajax in 1973 and enjoyed success there as a player. Scored 48 goals in 143 appearances. and Not the sort of uh, stats that you're talking about with Ronaldo there, but certainly got the goals in. His first season guided Barcelona to their first La Liga title since 1960. He picked up the Ballon d'Or, In the process, and then won the Ballon d'Or again the year after. So, I'm pointing out that he was a rather special player. But as well as that, we have to remember in 1988, he went on to manage Barcelona and he introduced the ticker tacker style of play, the short passing, patient movement the ball possession, all the things that Arsene Wenger loves so much as he's going up against Barcelona this evening as we're recording this. I'm sure he's a big admirer of the man, as am I, and I'm going to say that he would have got in the starting 11 currently. Who else
1: do you have? I mean, he is probably Barca's greatest legacy if you're looking at someone who's contributed in the decades since he's played, both in playing terms and in managerial terms as well. A couple of quick ones to mention. I've looked at, talking of Ronaldo, being able to um, skip his way through to. someone I don't think he'd have got past so easily, Carlos Puyol. The man's a wall, Mm. isn't he? He may look a bit like a shaggy dog, (laughs) but he's an absolute wall. Look, he's got plenty of La Liga titles to his name, a couple of European cups as well. And I think what's important for him is that he is in a position that's often overlooked but certainly shouldn't be. When we're looking at an all-star eleven, and we're looking at the sophistication of where defenders are now, he is one of those talismans for where the modern defender works and where their game excels and is excelling at the moment. And his leadership qualities too.
0: I'm going to bring in Ronaldinho. You know what? When you look at statistics for strikers and for, for attacking players... Not many are going to beat what Ronaldinho did. I think still to this day, probably one of my favourites. I can't quite get past his crooked smile sometimes. Um, <laughs> but it, that's probably why he
1: wasn't a pin-up for me. Do you know what? He's been completely ruined for me ever since you told us the story of the particular product, male enhancing product that he advertised. Yeah. I just can't get past him. It's kind of the combination of the hair, the teeth and the fact that he's endorsed a particular product that aids men in a certain area. Yeah, I won't ever get over that one either.
0: I'm sure he won't. But let's get back to the nitty gritty to do with his footballing skills. Because when you consider the players, and this is what I'm going to say, is when you consider the players that Messi has had around him in his career, Ronaldinho didn't have that sort of supply, and he didn't have that quality around him like Messi has. I think it makes Ronaldinho even more impressive. So in five seasons, he scored 95 goals and 80 assists. The Ballon d'Or he won in 2005, two La Liga titles and a European Cup. Pretty impressive stuff. I'm putting in
1: Ronaldinho mentioned Messi and Ronaldo earlier, Lindsay, one of the players who maybe didn't score as many goals for them in his time at Barcelona, but certainly set up a fair few. Very much the orchestrator of midfield at Barcelona is Xavi, of course. What a wonderful player to have a look at. And his time at Barcelona was something else really and you know he for me is an easy insert into our best 11 spent from 98 to 2015 at the club and since the start of his career there he's claimed an astonishing number of titles and i know that he's playing for a great team with other great players around him so when you look back on your career and you've won eight la liga titles and four european cups it's not a bad haul at all no. is it look he's not flashy he's not particularly fast even i don't think he spends that much time in the spotlight either but anyone who knows football knows that xavi was instrumental to barcelona for so many years my final
0: one similar to when you mentioned that ronaldo was maybe a player that barcelona will regret having let go he was only there for that short period of time i think there might be regrets over this player now he was there for five seasons but samuel eto I mean, what a striker he was for Barcelona. In those five seasons at the new camp, Eto scored over 100 goals. He won three La Liga titles, two UEFA champions leagues. Do you know what? He was the first player to score in two Champions League finals. So that's another thing to add. Uh, Two African Footballer of the Year awards. I'm sure there's many more on his mantelpiece. But the interesting thing about this is that Barcelona swapped him, and I think it was around €46 million. It changes article to article that you read about it. But it was for Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who didn't live up to expectations at Barcelona at all. It might have been... In fact, Barcelona and not into Milan, who had the first player in football history to ever win two consecutive trebles if they'd hung on to Eto.
1: <laughs> if. Hello, everyone. This is Tony Cotti from Sky Sports Soccer Saturday.
0: And when I'm not working with Jeff Stelling and the boys, I'm listening to the Offside Rule podcast. When we not know anything about football, you're having a laugh, ain't you? Now, topic two, you could be forgiven for thinking that I'm rounding off the podcast completely because your title that you gave me, and very proudly, might I say, using the emojis on WhatsApp, I think you're very proud, and to cap it off. We'll keep the title, but it's coming in as topic number two. Thank you very much. So we're not capping it off, we cap it off, but we're talking caps, right? Yeah, can you keep up? This is all to do with Mark Sampson, England women head coach, announcing his squad that he's taking to the She Believes Cup in the United States. Among the squad players are two players who are a couple of caps off some significant landmarks. Let's start with Enia Luko because we're at Stamford Bridge at the moment recording and she's a Chelsea ladies player, current champions of WSL. Uh, she's on 98 England caps and given the amount of games they've got, they've got About three games, haven't they, out uh, in the United States? She could actually hit a century of England international caps while she's out there. That's one to look out for. And the second, and what a haul this is. Farrah Williams could become the first ever England player to reach
1: 150 caps. She's currently on 148. What an achievement that would be. It's incredible. And actually, she's a bit of a late bloomer in terms of her England career. It isn't as if she reached her 100 cap mark really quickly. In fact, others have done it at a quicker rate than her in terms of length of time played and age. She's blossomed into this essential in the team. She drives the team. She's the one that you rely on when you've got a penalty that has to go in, when there's a free kit. She's the one that you put up on there because she is as cool as
0: a cucumber. I was at Arsenal last week, bumped into Kelly Smith because they're all back in pre-season training. And we might be aware now, or if you're listening to this and don't know, Farrah Williams has moved to Arsenal ladies. And Kelly was saying she is making such a difference. Mm. She's really impressing there. And I think maybe one, of a couple of players, key marquee players that they brought in that could make Arsenal really fight for the title again this year. But that's an aside. Let's use the inspiration for the topic and to cap it off because you look down caps, list of caps and people on over 100 or less than 100, and often there's a couple of names that leap out and that are quite surprising for different reasons. So I thought, well, let's seeming as this was a a women's football story that inspired this, let's do one woman, one man and just why you're surprised by the number they have. When you think
1: about Swedish greats, Lindsay, you might think, what, Zlatan? Goal-scoring greats, people who may have earned lots of caps. Maybe you think about Henrik Larsson. I was just about to say Larsson. Do you think Kim Källström? <laughs> no, not so much. <laughs> not so this much. This is bizarre. When I was looking at who's earned how many caps, he's the fourth most capped Swedish player of all time. This is how dependable, reliable this player was. And if you're thinking Kim Kalstrom, trying to remember back, he is, of course, the player who Arsenal signed. When they signed him, they'd seen a scan showing that he had a damaged vertebrae, but he was meant to be sidelined for six weeks. We know that that six weeks turned into a longer period of time. He only made four appearances for Arsenal before leaving after his lone spell at the end of the season. That wasn't the best ending for him, was it? But yeah, very surprising. In terms of his international record, um, as I said, 125 caps for him. He was pivotal, by the way, when uh, Sweden were trying to qualify for the 2014 World Cup. We know at that time it was Sweden or Portugal, wasn't it, because it was the great race Mm -hmm. between Zlatan or Ronaldo. An essential qualifier against Germany, Sweden were losing 3-0 at half-time. They conceded another goal, but three assists from Kim Kalström contributed towards a 4-all draw. So from a big collapse, to rescuing his team there are plenty other moments for him as well but one of the most unlikely players I think to have achieved so much in terms of international football
0: that one obviously leaped out at you Um, Similarly, as you've started with with your man I'll go in with mine as well David Ford current goalkeeper for league one side Millwall now what's surprising about this and the number of caps that he's got is that the caps that he's got are for Republic of Ireland. And they didn't actually come. His first one debut was aged thirty-three and um, made his competitive debut against Sweden. so we've got a Swedish link there in a World Cup qualifier. and he's gone on to get 23 caps. I think that's quite remarkable that they're still giving him caps. 33 years old. he was really favored by Martin O'Neill at one point and he was using quite a number of matches. So David Ford, a
1: surprising eyebrow raiser, I thought when I saw that on the list considering his age really is. I know that, that goalkeepers often make it onto that list, but to have not uh, started or yeah featured until that late age, phenomenal. Um, let's talk women as well. And it's so interesting because women do trounce men when it comes to international appearances. In, in every walk of life, <laughs> is that what you're <laughs> going to say? Yeah. No, I did, I did hold back from that. Christine Lilly. Of the USA, 352 caps for her by the time she retired from football in 2011. 16 other women, nine of them American, two from China. Germany, Sweden, Canada, Denmark also feature have 200 or more caps. No man has achieved over 200, Lins, Say that number again. 352. 352. I don't think anyone will catch that, will
0: they? Maybe the person that I've got who's in second place, Christine Rampone, United States player, 311 caps. She isn't going to catch because that
1: was her last World Cup pretty much when we saw her in Canada, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that she's retired. She is an influence still within that team. And when you're talking about strong characters, Abby Wambach as well, retiring at the end of the competition, she is. And in fact, she earned, I think, the title as the oldest player at the yes. Women's World Cup. She did, and actually, you've just brought up a brilliant point because the
0: fact that Abby Wambach was there retiring meant that she stole a lot of limelight (laughs) from (laughs) Christy Rampone. But if you actually compare them, you'd have thought that Abby Wambach was the one that had the
1: most caps out of the two, but it's not. It's Christy Rampone, 311. Do you want the fastest player to reach 100 caps? Again, talking the US as well, Cindy Parlow just turned 23 when she brought up her 100-cap point when she captained the American side in a friendly over Canada. She'd already, by the way, won a Women's World Cup and had an Olympic gold medal at that time. Some other little interesting facts to mention when we talk about players. Rooney, of course, was the youngest England player to reach 100 caps. He did that in November 2014. He was 28. Some other picks for me from the women's list of those who've reached over 100 caps. Carly Lloyd, I was fascinated to see. She was on 208 caps already. So instrumental for that team, scoring a hat-trick in the World Cup final. She's only going to add to that tally, isn't she? Hope Solo, 183 caps for her over 15 years, their goalkeeper. And here's a surprising one for you, Alex Morgan. She's only been playing on an international level for the senior team for six years. She's already reached 100 caps. Compare that to Wayne Rooney for England. He's 28 and he reached uh, 100 caps, um, the youngest England men's player to do so. So it's quite interesting looking at how long it takes or how short a time it takes for people to reach that 100 cap mark. Follow us on Twitter at off-side, offside Rule Pod and like our page on Facebook. Simply type in the Offside, off-side Rule we get it. in. There's only one of us.
0: We will round off this podcast with Miss of the Century as a topic. I've got to say and hold my hands up, and you'll know from all the time you have spent with me on on a duo basis that uh, I don't very often hold my hands up and say, "Yep,
1: yep, got that one wrong." <laughs> Do I? No, no. I don't really. Um, This is what I love about hoops. If anything goes wrong, I I always think, my God, how did she come up with that? I think I'm too honest, actually. And if someone says to me, you haven't done that, I'll go, no, I haven't done it. But if you haven't done something, you'll go. And this is not kind of professionally, but if you haven't done something, you'll go, there was an absolute nightmare with this, 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 and this, and this. You are great at sticking up for yourself, I think. Whereas I'm probably just a bit too like, yeah, I mucked up, okay. Let's get a klaxon out because I'm mucked up, right? I'm mucked up.
0: You may recall on the podcast that once upon a time, not so long ago, I said one player Manchester City would miss, and I thought they'd made a huge Mm -hmm. mistake letting him go, was Edin Dzeko. And I also said he'd be a big miss for the Premier League, that for any other team he would have been a steal of a signing. And then he went off on his
1: merry way to Roma, and he's not done fantastically. In his defence, he was good for about five minutes. He did look like a great signing for Roma for a short amount of time, but it's kind of gone a bit wrong for him. He's also good for 5 minutes for Manchester City just
0: coming off the bench, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what I'm getting to is that I'm sure you've not missed his miss over the weekend, an absolute sitter that he failed to tuck away. This was Roma against Palermo. It was being dubbed by the commentator Miss of the Century. And it got me thinking, is this actually the Miss of the Century? Mm. Is it one of those scenarios where the most current thing that you see and you think is the worst? Mm. Do we have to put our memories back in check and say, actually, let's let's go through the racks, delve into the, the archives and pick out some more? I think we do. I wouldn't go as far as to say it's Miss of the Century. It was an awful miss, but I'm going to throw in there this one i to start us off. Uh, Zwala defender. So a defender, you would think, well, actually, are they excused for not scoring because they're a defender by trade? I think most of the time, yes, apart from if you're one yard out <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then really you've got to score it because it was more difficult not, not to score. So. This was Kingsley boo. Um, he missed an open goal from an inch out. Another player had hit the crossbar. Mm. The ball bounced down. Mm. He
1: somehow tried to head it oh. but headed it Out of the goal like a defender would. But those trajectory angles can be tricky, can't they? Especially if you're going to put your head in the
0: situation as well. You know what's even more bizarre about this? Is it was an Eredivisie match against Feyenoord. And he's just missed what I would class as perhaps the miss of the century. I just don't know how it's happened. I've watched the video over and over and I still can't get to fathom out what on earth happened. But he did go on and score a few minutes later. So he actually did score in this match in injury time to make it 3-1.
1: So it wasn't a disastrous day for him, but that miss. Whoa. I've got a bit of an obscure one here, but when you look at worst football misses of all time, you get caught in this kind of web of YouTube videos where you're just watching again and again for the worst one and you're desperately looking for one that beats the other. Well, I went through a few YouTube videos as well as giving you a personal one here. I thought I'd... I'd do a bit of a scour, because there are some that we've not heard of before. And um, I'm going to dig back a bit to Kaiserslautern's Philipp Hoffmann, Bundesliga game against Union Berlin. Um, He basically found himself right in front of an open net. He'd come on as a substitute, and the ball came his way. All he had to do was just complete it, just finish it off. It was literally a gift, a gift at his feet, plenty of space. Sometimes football boots can be your best friend or your worst enemy, right? Because I can only think it was his football boot that caused the ball to bounce, not into a goal, but upwards, hitting the top crossbar and over the goal. It was a bizarre miss. It was either a little divot in the pitch or a pair of football boots that he really should have had more control over, considering that they were at the end of his feet. A complete epic miss. There are some great ones, by the way, if you search for you know wind-causing ball to miss. I always like to laugh at people's misfortune caused by the weather. And um, Here's a personal one for you, quickly. It led us Liverpool fans to call him Agent Moses. It was the season where we nearly did it, yeah? 2014, the year... We nearly did it. We nearly won the title. And I know that there are a few contributing factors, but Victor Moses didn't help himself. When at Crystal Palace, he had the chance to keep our title hopes alive. Beginning of May, this was the 94th minute. The ball bounced to him in front of an open goal. All that can be explained by this. A bit like Hoffman, really. I don't know what he did to the ball, but it just skyrocketed upwards, sailed over the crossbar and carried on up. I didn't quite understand... How it was possible, but it was. I can explain how it was possible. He got too
0: much underneath the ball is what happened. And it's all about angles. Get your protractor out. But
1: this was so basic. This was a gift of a... This was, this was the 94th minute. Crystal, Crystal Palace had switched off by then. I know what you're saying, but I I
0: actually disagree sometimes. Because sometimes, as commentators or as spectators of football, it's so easy to go, well, I could have scored that. That was so easy to score. But if you actually look at sometimes the momentum of a ball, if you look at the situation, you know, it was in the 94th minute. He realised probably he could have won it for Liverpool. There was perhaps that little bit more pressure than there would have been in other games. That's why when, when I was singling them out and looking for ones, I was looking for ones that I was thinking... It was harder to miss than it was to score. And I think on that one, I would say it probably wasn't. It would have been great if he had scored, but it wasn't harder to miss. All I'm going to say is there were quite
1: some Twitter comments after (laughs) the game. (laughs) And one said, honestly, Victor Moses is a lunatic. I could have put a cardboard cutout of Heskey and even he would have scored. Bloody hell. And that sums up some of our frustration at that point in the season. It was pivotal. We needed him to do what he does as a player and what he's done several times before. And score. That's all we needed him to do. But no. Well, thank you very much for that. Um,
0: I think we're all done. Uh, Miss of the Century, we've finished on. I wonder if there's been a Miss of the Century in tonight's matches. Uh, We can catch up with you next week on all the Champions League fallout. Uh, We'll also have a three back. We'll have a trio of some sort. (laughs) Maybe not quite on par with the name Mars, Juarez and Messi. (laughs) Well, we'll strike the back of the net in our own way. We will do. Thanks very much for listening. Make sure you check out the website, OffsideRulePodcast.com, for some of the latest articles. There will be many on there about the latest rounds of European football, I'm sure. And also follow us on Twitter, at Pod. Give us a like on our Facebook page and join us next week. We'll be back.
1: The Offside Rule We Get It is brought to you by Continental Tires. Sports Social Podcast Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.